Welcome to the Minister's Ordinary Conversation, a podcast dedicated to equipping and encouraging pastors to be radically ordinary theologians for the good of their churches and the glory of God. My name is Jeremy Jessen, and I am your host. Today, we're covering several news stories related to work and rest. Now, categorically, if you remember the podcast introduction, I'm doing this in an effort to remind you that you minister in a context. The issues in the news and in the culture affect people in your congregation, and we as pastors should do what we can to sharpen our skills in speaking with our people about these kinds of things. Now, all three articles covered today are from the Wall Street Journal. That's my periodical of choice for news coverage because the news is balanced and the opinion pages are thoughtfully conservative, which is exceedingly rare in our culture, but it's a worthwhile uh, publication if you would like to subscribe to that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. The first article is called The Underside of the Great Resignation, and it's an interview with with author Nicholas Eberstadt, who wrote the book... Uh, Men Without Work. In 2016, that book was released. It's, it's, a, it's an excellent interview, and, and he uses the, the launching pad of the Great Resignation, as it's called. That's what um, the press is applying to the record levels of unfilled jobs in this pandemic era. He, um, he uses the great resignation as um, a launching pad to talk about the concerns that he raised in his 2016 book that over the past two generations, he says, America has suffered a quiet catastrophe. The catastrophe is the collapse of work for men. In the half century between 1965 and 2015, work rates for the American male spiraled relentlessly downward and an ominous migration commenced, a flight from work in which ever-growing numbers of working-age men exited the workforce altogether. And now, in this interview, um, in the journal, he points out that a lot of the stats that we're reading about the Great Resignation are ending not so much in going from one job to another, but rather from leaving the, work for, to leaving the workforce altogether. It's not uh, just shifting jobs. It is leaving the workforce entirely. And he gives several reasons why that may be the case. Um, some of it is the, uh, the nature of work that's changed um, in the you know, technological revolution um, that, you know, there are very few Americans that have to go out to do certain jobs now, um, especially as you get older. Um, but his concern is not so much for the causes or even the solution. In fact, one of the things that he says about the solution is that, uh, you know, it, it would be beneficial to um, stigmatize idleness. That's his answer is stigmatizing idleness. And that really is the point of the article is that the, the, the concern is not that that people are going from one sector of jobs to another sector or are just changing jobs frequently or things like that. The, the issue is that people are just deciding not to work at all. And so his 
only solution really is to stigmatize idleness. Well, now that for the for the evangelical Christian should be a very simple thing to um, agree with. I mean, we believe that work is good. It was created by God in the garden. He put Adam in the garden in Genesis two fifteen to work it and to keep it. And the scriptures are clear that if a man will not work, let him not eat. And um, that in First Thessalonians five fourteen, right? Paul tells the the church in Thessalonica to admonish the idol that idleness is 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 not a virtue. It's very much a vice. We see all throughout Proverbs a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a like an armed robber. So. It's very clear that we are not to be an idle people, that we're to be a working people. And so that's something that Christians can, we, Christians can read an article like that and respond very clearly and very, very quickly with a disdain for idleness. But we need to be able to see that this is not just something that we're dealing with within the walls of the church, but largely in our culture, idleness is becoming a bigger and bigger problem, especially among men. And we need to ask ourselves why that is and why is it that way in our culture that, that men are leaving the work force altogether? Why is that becoming a norm? And then what can we as Christians do to uh, point to the greater work ethic that the scriptures give us um, to glorify God in our work? Uh, the second article that I wanted to point out was, uh, it's a shorter article called The Virus Wave Fuels Worker Absences. Virus Wave Fuels Worker Absences by Harriet Tory. It's a short article, but the point that she is um, driving at here is very simple. Let me just quote from the article. The Omicron wave of coronavirus cases is weighing on the U.S. labor force, keeping millions of people home sick while others say they are working through the illness. This double impact from the biggest surge of COVID-19 illnesses so far in the pandemic comes as employers have struggled with an unusually tight labor market and an employment rate that is approaching pre-pandemic levels. So it's a very volatile situation. Um, and the, the, the point that I wanted to drive at was this last part where people are saying they're working through the illness. And I find it interesting that there is a, there was another survey that she quotes, um, Tori here, she quotes a survey from the Shift Project at Harvard University's Kennedy School, finding that nearly two-thirds of workers who reported being sick in the past month during the survey period said that they worked through the illness. They simply worked through it. Uh, the, the survey included 6,600 hourly workers, she says, who were polled from September to November. People cited financial reasons as the top reason they worked while sick, followed by not wanting to let down coworkers and a fear of reprisals as well, that it might not go well for me if I call in sick. And so it's interesting that we're having this this one side of it where there's a great resignation, people leaving jobs to go to other jobs and sometimes leaving jobs to not go to any jobs. And then there are this other situation where people are are working through the sickness and working through a unique sickness that's connected to so many other people. One of the one of the an, another article that I read recently it talked about how when Omicron came in, so this variant of the virus came in most recently, uh, this individual who was leading a certain you know, wing of his job, I don't know, he was leading a certain department at his job, several people who worked in his department, when he talked about being concerned about Omicron, he said, several people in my department said, oh, I've already had COVID, I'll be fine. I've already had it, I'll be fine. And, and his comment was, you know, they never told me that they had it. And obviously this is a time when things are shut down or whatever, or, 
they weren't in the office yet. But as they started making their way back into the office and then talking about being concerned about this variant, they would say, well, I mean, I already had it, so I'm OK. I'll, I'll be fine. I'm not really worried about it. And he said the thing that is interesting is the, the lack of willingness for people to admit that they had this um, virus at any point because they feel like there's a sense of moral stigma that's been attached to it. And we had, we had a member of our church recently, uh, not recently, um, um, but last year, actually, they, 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 they got COVID and then they, we had to shut some things down because they, uh, they had it and they were in, in touch with some of our folks in the, in the church. Well, um, um, when I was on the phone with them talking through it and like how they were feeling and different things, uh, the church member's response was so unique. He, he said, you know, the thing w- with this is that um, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of being made to feel like um, uh, like I'm an evil person, like it's a moral failure on my part. I didn't mean to get this. I wasn't trying to do something to get this. And that whenever people talk to me about it, they treat, treat it as though I did something on purpose. And that's really hard. And so I, I think there, there are times like this when you look at um, how this virus wave is, is dealing, is fueling worker absences. Um, there's a bit of that stigma that comes along with it, that it, like if somebody gets the flu, nobody Nobody responded. Well, at least not that I'm aware of. It wasn't a, a typical response to hear somebody get the flu. And then the response is, oh, why in the what were you doing? Like that kind of moral indignation. How dare you get the flu? But uh, we were seeming to respond to it, uh, to COVID in that way. And I think that's a unique thing. And that article just brings that about a little bit more. Last article then is, is an excellent article. And um, I, I think it's, it's helpful um, and the title of the article is called Relearn the Word No to Reset Your Balance um, um, by Rachel Feintzeig. Feintzeig. That's right. Feintzeig. There you go. So um, the main idea of this article is really simple. Working from home also has its challenges. So so the, we were talking about those in the great resignation, and then we talked about like those who are working at home, maybe even working through illness. But working from home also has its challenges. Employers are tending to expect more from employees in some cases, less in others, but but expecting a lot from employees. It's very interesting. And she talks about how employees are having trouble saying no to their employers if they're working from home. This is what she says. Have we forgotten how to say no? Our boundaries have been scrambled by two years of working through a crisis, often from the same place we do everything else. So you're working from home and you're trying to to deal with all of the different uh, restrictions and stressors that come upon you during this COVID-19 time, that that era. And you're doing that from from home as well. Um, And so... Uh, She says, managers know we're home. Employees want to prove themselves in a world without FaceTime. FaceTime not meaning the Apple, you know, uh, Zoom feature kind of thing where you can see people's faces when you call, but FaceTime, like actually being in each other's presence, proximity, physical proximity. There's a new unspoken contract between bosses and workers, she says. You can work where you want, but the flexibility comes at a cost. You're always on The employer feels like, you're lucky enough to be at home. You're kind of at my beck and call. She quotes there from Ellen Kosick, a management professor at Purdue University. Um, And so um, she cites these other places, these other places where this kind of behavior happens. A funeral home manager in Georgia, she says, was surprised when his team confronted him about his frequent Saturday night text messages about sales quotas. 
A pharmaceutical employee back in her Boston office was cornered in the kitchen by a colleague demanding to know why she hadn't responded to his email yet. It was 8.30 a.m. He sent that email at 6.30 a.m. So even if you return to the office, the kind of always-on expectation for work is starting to become the norm. Um, so she makes all of these notes that, that people have learned to work in, in an environment that's kind of crazy. Um, and if you're the only one who's, who's going to set boundaries, well, I'm not going to answer email after this time. Um, Dr. Kosick even said here, this, this researcher that she cites, if you're the only one who does that, you get stigmatized. There are risks say no too often and you'll miss out on big projects, alienate your colleagues, or even jeopardize your career. And yet, saying yes and then missing a deadline can be just as detrimental, says Karen Shafir Vladek, a partner at an Austin, Texas law firm. And one of the things that we see in that problem is, well, if you're constantly saying yes, um, you, you may end up doing projects that you can't do well because you've got four other projects you already said yes to when you're overloaded. So there's so many complications that come along with trying to say yes to these things because you feel guilty if you say no and setting boundaries is a difficult thing to do in the workforce. So the, the answer that, that she gives here, I think is really helpful. Um, you need to break some of these pandemic habits and set up some clear boundaries on when you will do certain things. And so one such example, she says, try to stick to limits like no work calls after 6 p.m., um, maybe just 85% of the time, right? Just trying to get out of that pattern of answering those emails at certain times instead of the always on philosophy. And she, um, she cites another author here, and I just thought this was um, fantastic. Communications executive Carrie Schum spent 250 more hours on client work an extra third from April 2020 to April 2021 as compared to the year prior. So she saw that she needed to make some adjustments. So she did all of these different things. She tried leaving her phone in her home office. She tried uh, keeping her phone out of her bedroom at night. And, and she joined a soccer league to try and just do some things outside of the house where she's detached from work. But the last quote is the one that I felt like was so powerful. She said, you start to figure it out. Quote, she said, that's just not life. This always on, always working pattern is just not life. And so that is a, a beneficial thing for us to remember. And it's a beneficial thing for us to remind the people in our congregations that this always on, never shut down. And we would also say as Christians, no Sabbath kind of life is that's just not life. Definitely not life as it was intended by the Lord and definitely not healthy in, in terms of what it produces in us and what it does to us. So these are just three articles from the Wall Street Journal in, in a few days, actually. These are just all within a few days of each other. They're all on the stressors that are coming at this time in our culture when it comes to work. Now, I know that pastors are feeling a unique strain at this point as well. As was recently pointed out, 38% of pastors have indicated that they, um, they've considered quitting full-time ministry within the past year. And again, that's not 
um, going from one ministry position to another, but that is leaving the ministry altogether. Now that percentage is up nine full points from 29% since Barna asked that same question at the beginning of last year. So at the end of last year, 38%, beginning of last year, 29%. That's a leap and that's kind of a terrifying leap. I understand that. Those statistics are alarming and they're serious, and I will discuss that and the strain on pastors in a later episode. But today, I wanted to focus on the people in front of the pastor who are feeling this vocational strain in 2022. So keep these things in mind. I hope these articles are helpful to you. These are the conversations that I've wanted to have and been wanting to have for a while, and so I appreciate you letting me have them with you. We'll talk to you next time.